Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas and at least one good story. Episode 76, A Collection of Homes. Oman, where Karina started a journey through Ash. Last summer, when I was trying to learn a little German before visiting, I kept seeing these YouTube videos pop up in my searches, and I got addicted to easy German. Hallo, liebe Leute, wir sind heute zurück in Münster mit einem neuen Thema für euch. Und dieses Thema ist ein witziges Thema. Es geht nämlich um Macken. Macken sind etwas... The hosts wander the streets of some German city and repeatedly ask a simple question, like, what are Germans most afraid of? Or, which quirks do you have? You get to listen over and over as real people give answers that are both captioned in German and English. It's brilliant. Ja, wir haben jetzt Christoph hier getroffen. Christoph, erzähl uns doch mal, hast du eine Macke? <lacht> ja, ich habe eine große Macke, fürchte ich. Ja? Aber äh, du meinst eher sowas. I couldn't believe my good fortune when Karina agreed to meet me in Berlin at the headquarters of Easy German, where she and her husband Janusz produced their incredible series. And that's just one small component of their vision. Can you describe what you look like? What I look like. Hmm. I'm like, I have brown hair and I just cut it myself and it looks awful. <laughs> I stopped going to the, um, I started like cutting hair myself at yeah. the age of 15. I have been doing it ever since. Mostly it looks fine. Me and too, by the way. I wear like preferably dark clothes. Is there a reason for that? No, I just like to keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first people I interviewed was an American who had moved to Europe. Yeah. And she said that she started feeling like she had to wear darker clothes. Really? And it, she speculated that it's a cultural thing across at least Northern Europe. That's cool. I'm not really much into shopping. I mean, I like to not just wear random stuff, obviously, but I like to have a few things mm. and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, it's very fun because I, I saw this um, I saw an article mm. um, about why successful people wear the same thing every day mm. yeah. <laughs> and that kind of confirmed like without I ever I never did it by purpose but yeah. it, I liked I liked the idea a lot and this article said like that um, you have to take like I don't know hundreds of decisions every day yeah, like yeah, on yeah. like so many small things and random stuff like what kind of food do you eat What do you wear today? And that that there is this kind of philosophy that successful people would reduce the amount of decisions <laughs> they take to focus on the really important ones. Yeah. And wearing the same clothes is the, one of the easiest ones. So they refer to Mark Zuckerberg and um, Steve Jobs, yeah, who yeah. would always wear the same sweaters every yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. <laughs> So I have, the I have this several things of the same stuff at home. Yeah. And I just switch it, but then look the same. As That's great. 
So can you also <clears throat> describe where we are for the audience? We um, are in our uh, office in Berlin, mm -hmm. in the north of Berlin, and this is a very messy room that we used as a studio but didn't use for a long time now. Uh, it's like we have a green screen here and several... What is this called? Lights. <laughs> Lights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and banana boxes, lots of banana boxes, because my <laughs> husband has like this like really strange tradition of keeping stuff in banana boxes because he <laughs> thinks it's like better way to order things. Interesting. And everyone else just makes fun of it, but I like him for <laughs> for doing it. <laughs> it's like they all have numbers and they all have papers what like you can see what's inside or you're supposed to see what's inside and a lot of them they just have like nothing written <laughs> on it. <laughs> So, what's his uh. banana connection? Do you eat a lot of bananas? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Where do they come from? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, I, I think when you move, you put things sure. yeah, yeah. In, in boxes. And he just just didn't like to unpack. And instead of unpacking, he just got more boxes and separate things. Yeah. Yeah, and he thinks it's a nice way to store stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask him about that. Yeah, so my audience is surely... Their curiosity is inflamed now about where we are. I'm surprised <laughs> by how you've described it. This is actually the nerve center of a massive media operation, right? Would you like to Can advertise it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we do lots of great stuff. <laughs> it's, I mean, we're a network, but we operate online most of the time. So we also travel a lot. Actually, this year we have been here for like 180 days. Mm. We have been in Berlin and the rest of the time we've been away. So doesn't really matter if we are here or elsewhere. Like, sure, yeah. So the center is where we are, or our home is where we are. That's true, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, aham, uh -huh, the project. <laughs> we do. We actually help people to learn languages, but we are not classical teachers, so to say. We help people to get access to the daily spoken language, because yeah. lots of times you, when you learn in class, or even when you teach yourself, you learn with textbooks and what you read in textbooks are like not really they are kind of artificial dialogues that mm. someone made up but if they are good they would happen in real life but I found that many times those dialogues I read never happen in real life they yeah. are just not authentic and that's why um, we started a project that originally derived from a school project that we did with uh, students in a high school in Germany um, and we talk to people in the streets and then subtitle these talks. That's yeah. basically what we started doing with the German language. And now we do it in over 30 different languages. It's so amazing. It's so <laughs> cool. Uh, and that's how I found you, I should say, for the audience. Mm -hmm. I used Easy German online this summer and uh, got to your website and knew I was going to be in Berlin mm -hmm. and wanted to reach out. So. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously I want to you know, boost it and share it with my audience, mm -hmm. a lot of whom are probably studying German. But um, uh, I'm really curious how this project has changed your your life. Like, it must bring you into contact with just so many people, not only people yeah. watching that reach out to you, but the people on the street that you talk to. Yeah, a Can lot. you talk about that? It's actually an amazing experience to, once you have a microphone and a camera, you are able to talk to strangers yeah. and in some cultures that's like something you do every day mm -hmm. i don't know if you go to 
like more southern countries or like if you say it in general more I feel it's the sunny countries yeah, <laughs> you yeah, have yeah. like this kind of culture <laughs> but even in the US it could be in the east coast where it's like also sometimes dark and gray but people are friendly and they have chats with random people and you don't do this in Germany usually mm. it's very awkward to talk to a stranger in Germany <laughs> and but it depends very much on the city too yeah Berlin is very cold and gray and the people are like much more closed up to themselves which doesn't necessarily mean they are unfriendly but they are kind of reserved and you have to know that so sometimes it might feel odd or it might feel yeah you might feel not welcomed mm. D does that affect your work um i mean when you approach strangers to make these videos sometimes because like a lot of people would not answer us or they, they would refuse you. to talk to us yeah yeah or they would say like ah. Oh, Like, oh, I don't want to talk with the camera. They are, like, skeptical. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it actually, <laughs> it taught me really on how, because I see that I could make a difference with how I approach them and how I, like, ah. when I think I smile, I do not even smile enough. Ah. And it always, it happened a long time that when we started, we got a lot um, neglected a lot yeah, yeah. Ig uh, or ignored ignored a lot or rejected yeah and when we walk back like after an hour we are like kind of warmed up and people would not refuse us ah. and we also I mean we have a lot of different ways to approach people yeah and we got a lot of experience in it I'm curious whether so, you can articulate that what is it Yeah, it's one thing is making a choice or selecting people. Mm. When we started, we just talked to anyone, but that's actually not what you should do. Yeah, You should talk to people that you feel like you want to talk to them. And people also, you should choose people who look happy. Mm. Because if they already look unhappy or they look like they try to already to avoid you <laughs> because they see the camera, then you shouldn't talk to them because... Yeah. They are clearly not that comfortable with you crushing their comfort zone. <laughs> But then, yeah, for example, it's easier to talk to couples or to groups sometimes because yeah. they are already in a kind of shared comfort zone. So, so they are not that close. They are already in a conversation. So that's easier to get in. And yeah, people who look happy in general. And you have to talk to them as if you're like... As if it's normal to talk to them, you know, as if yeah. a friend is approaching them, yeah. as if you have known them before. And when you do this and really be kind of overwhelmingly happy, <laughs> people feel like, yeah, they, I mean, they have to, you have to make them feel like you are someone they want to talk to. You know? You have to overwhelm them with happiness. Kind of, saying? yeah. Yeah, because if you don't, if you, if you're like, ah, can you answer a question for me? They are like, no, why should I? But if you're like, hey, could you please help me? I'm like doing a project here and I would really appreciate talking to you for a minute. Yeah. Then it's like harder for them to turn it down, right? Yeah. Because I've been so nice. So yeah. why shouldn't they reply in a nice way? <laughs> and then even if they turn us down, they then they would still do it in a very nice way. And they would say like, yeah, I would really love to help, but I have to take catch the bus or something like that. Yeah. It's <clears throat> one of the things I appreciate about the, the videos. Uh, it's infectious for the, the viewers also. Yeah. You know, it always puts me in a good mood. Really? Subconsciously. <laughs> I, it's, I mean... It's overwhelmingly happy, you know? Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I, I'm curious, is that your personality or is that something that you developed mm. or found in this process? Yeah, also developed. I think I have like kind of an outgoing 
personality in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like, I enjoy talking to people and meeting people. That's important, of course. Otherwise, um, it would, wouldn't be easy to do. But I'm also a little bit introvert sometimes. Mm. So I don't enjoy it all the time. I'm not someone who likes to put... Like, I also enjoy times for myself. That's very important. And that sometimes makes it difficult to be a YouTuber, actually. Because if you want to do the job very well, you should actually communicate with people every day post updates on facebook on twitter on instagram yeah <laughs> make videos on youtube feel comfortable with sharing everything about yourself and i'm not 100 percent that person i see that so yeah. um sometimes i enjoy like doing not talking to people for a while yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's also part of yeah because there are these kinds of people who get energy from talking to people and right. there's people who get energy from being alone right and I feel like I'm kind of both. So I have to always have yeah. a mix. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy quiet evenings yeah. where my husband sits in his room and works <laughs> and I'm in my room and work. And we actually love that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can totally relate. I, I think teaching changed me, taught me a way to be more outgoing. Mm -hmm. But I naturally have that. Uh, other side that gets drained by talking to people mm -hmm. uh, and I just think it's a fascinating phenomenon that you can have both you know you can be both not yeah. just one or the other that, that, that's actually a good thing yeah. yeah I mean sometimes I wished I was like more comfortable that's something I, I learned with traveling you know because mm. like in other countries in Germany we grow up in a very closed way you know everyone has like Usually children have their own rooms and it's common to close the rooms and have time for yourself. And I think that also builds like a different, not maybe personality, but you have different habits, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereby in when I traveled for the first time in to Namibia in Southern Africa, like this was like the one journey that changed my life basically. <laughs> I felt like it's so fascinating that people are comfortable with like sharing rooms you know and it's totally uh, normal that you hang out with people 24 7 yeah. and this is something that i enjoy a lot and i would like to have this yeah i would like to have this skill to yeah. be around with people always and i enjoy it but at some point i always feel like okay that's enough yeah i need a day or two yeah. for myself yeah and it's something I can't really change about myself. Like, even if I want it, I need this time. And I, if I hang out with people all the time, at some point I get like, I don't know, I get tired. And I think I'll be also tiring for other people. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. I like it a lot. Did, did you reach a point in Namibia where you had to draw the line? And how did they receive that? Mm. I think not in the beginning. When I first traveled, I was like 19. Mm -hmm. So then you are like... You had boundless energy. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like we, uh, we stayed in a kind of dormitory with um, girls in a boarding school. And they were like about my age. We were like 10 people in one room. So there was like basically no privacy. But it was just like for two or three weeks, I think. So it's like... You can have that, you know, yeah. but it's I know some people, for example, in other countries who are absolutely used to like share rooms, even in university, like all the time. Yeah. And I always wonder, how do they do this? You know, how <laughs> they have like no room where they can go just for themselves. So if they want to have a quiet time, they go to the library or something. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, that's completely uncommon for me, yeah. even though it's just like. 
how do you say if it's like comes from your education somehow? Yeah, yeah. It's just because I'm not used to it. Yeah. But it's like Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's it's a phenomenon. It's interesting. That's exactly the thing that, that fascinates me. When people go to other cultures, they're confronted with these differences in the realization that their own identity is not necessarily like something in them, it's something they've learned from their yeah, yeah. surroundings. This you know? was like the one thing that I learned when I first traveled outside Europe. It was actually not learning about these other cultures that we We always talk uh, about we want to learn about other cultures, but yeah. most of all, I learned about myself. Yeah. I learned that this little bubble I grew up in is like not the reality or not the only truth in the world. It was it's just one yeah. of many, many different ways of living. Yeah. And that's actually kind of nice because once you realize that there is a choice, you can, you know, you can you kind of get hungry to travel more and meet more people. And this is what I've been doing since this first moment. You know, I've been traveling every year whenever I got free, whenever I got, whenever my balance, my bank account balance was on zero, mm. I, I bought a new flight, you know, <laughs> to, to be in a, in a, in debts again. <laughs> That's what I did for the past, like now 13 years. Yeah. I'm 32 now. Yeah. And I try to travel, I cannot say as much as possible because there had probably been more, even more possibilities, but I traveled a lot. Yeah. And I meet a lot of people and different lifestyles. And that's nice because after a while you pick the ones that you like most mm -hmm. and you combine them. <laughs> yeah. Are you always looking for new places to go or do you find yourself now going, going back to a lot of places? I have or? been... I went back to Namibia, I think, like 15 times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because this That's country, I, I really love it. And it, it's nice because it feels like a second home. Wow. Like recently, we have been discussing also, it was also like a project for the Easy German. We asked people the question, what if there was war in your country? Mm. Because we wanted to confront people with a thought, like how would they feel if they were refugees and they had to leave everything behind? And I asked myself the same question, like, really, like, what would happen if there was war in Europe? If yeah. things would go wrong and I would have to leave my country, I would go to Namibia. Wow. Because just it's because place I know. Yeah. And I know, I know the people, how they talk, the kind of humor they have. It's like, I really, I really relate to that, you know. Yeah. And it's, I would feel, it's a place that I miss like a home. When yeah. I'm not there, and I feel at home when I'm there, even though I don't, I have never lived there for longer than a few weeks. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good <laughs> to have such a place, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's nice to have just more than one place like this. And I would, yeah, I'm, I feel like, I feel like it's difficult to find, I would like to have four or five places like this. Yeah. I also like to enjoy new places, but I also, I feel like I want to grow like a collection of homes. <laughs> that's like sounds like completely weird, but that's what I would love to do. Yeah. That sounds like a good episode title. <laughs> a collection of homes. <laughs> yeah, imagine you have like I like these I don't know, sometimes I think it could be difficult to be like a person who has lived or moved many times in mm -hmm. his younger life because then he would not have this one place mm. that is home but i feel like i would i'm like a little bit jealous on those people yeah. 
Because yeah. I've always been living in the same place, like forever. We only You're moved from to Berlin originally. From Münster. Oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's like a yeah. three hundred thousand inhabitants town. Yeah. It's a nice place. It's like a paradise. But I've lived there like for thirty years. And yeah. I've only moved like two years ago. Yeah. Also because I, I never felt I needed to move because I traveled like, I don't know, at least four months a year or more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And we always invited people since we started this whole project. We had people um, coming to us, living with us, doing internships with us. So it's like we always had the world around us and yeah. we traveled whenever we wanted. So yeah, it's like... I never feel, felt the need to move somewhere else, <laughs> like permanently, you know. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so, uh, do you like Berlin? Has it been a good move? Yeah, <laughs> I like it a lot because it's... I don't even relate that much with the city. I'm here since two years and yeah. I would say I haven't seen a lot. I don't go out a lot and I don't even... I don't... How do you say this in English? In German, you would literally say you build a circle or you build a circle of friends. Yeah, yeah. We say the same. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ein Freundeskreis aufbauen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't even built like a new circle of friends because yeah. um, I have a few friends living in Berlin, but most of the time we meet new people yeah. all the time. Yeah. Basically, like if I wanted to, we could meet people every day. <laughs> Right, and right. I don't even want to. Of <laughs> but it's like... Thank you again, <laughs> by the way, for meeting me. <laughs> no, like your project is really nice. So it's, I'm happy to well, meet you. Th that's an interesting question to me personally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I examine this year, uh, my wife and I moving all around so much and meeting so many people and being able to connect, you know, mm -hmm. pretty deeply, pretty quickly. But uh, I wonder what we're we're missing out on you know like uh how long can you sustain without that circle of friends it seems since most people do it you know so you miss it or not i don't right now to be honest yeah you know but you but also I, I are you also happy to go back for the holidays i am yeah mm -hmm. but, uh, but then you could start off again right of course yeah <coughs> but I, I wonder if there's some blindness that i'm not aware of you know what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah it's sure. an interesting question i also think i also wonder about this sometimes I don't think so, because I feel like even distance can create much stronger friendships. Yeah. And I've actually, those friends that are really close to me are, like, not those friends that, I mean, you can have very close friendships with the people that are around you, but, like, seeing each other every day doesn't necessarily mean that it's a really deep friendship. So I don't think that... Um, this being at the same place necessarily makes a friendship better or worse. Yeah. It can be great. I mean, you know, this kind of friendships that you see in the sitcoms, like with friends or How I Met Your Mother or something like that, we like to watch it because we we would be happy if something like this exists. But right, the truth right. is it doesn't <laughs> exist. I don't think, like, there's many friendships like this where you have like five people and they hang out all the time you know <laughs> it's not happening like yeah. everyone has like different kind of relationships more relationships and yeah it's I really like it to have friends all over the world and some people I mean these people that I'm really close with I chat with them on whatsapp or we skype or whatever yeah. and then once we meet it's a really good quality time yeah. and I feel like since I moved away I have um, a better time 
even yeah. with people because when I go home, I'm like not much. I mean, I'm still I work everywhere I go, but mm -hmm. I would really focus on going out with someone and like um, enjoy spending time together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the videos you did recently that I watched, I, I don't remember if it was a recent one, but I watched it recently. Um, <coughs> mm -hmm. uh, it was about the process of making friends in Germany. Oh, yeah. That was a recent one, wasn't it? No. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was about how... It's like maybe a year. Okay, so year. Germans uh, tend to keep a circle of friends from yeah. childhood and not branch out beyond that in mm -hmm. later years as much. That's kind uh, of true, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting phenomenon. And it's scary, isn't it? I don't want to say anything bad about Germans, <laughs> but yeah. I was actually shocked when we did this episode because sometimes, I mean, you learn something new too. And it was great sociological work that you did. Yeah, it, and I felt like it was something, something I, I thought like that was true, but I never I was still shocked to hear it. Most people we asked indeed said like their closest friends. Sometimes some people said they are from the kindergarten. Yeah. So that means this happening, but this happens I think especially in smaller towns mm. where if you stay in the same town, you would. I mean, it's the same thing I had when I went to university and I studied in the same town where I grew up with. I still I already had friends. Mm. So when you already have friends that you hang out with every weekend you don't need to look for new friends, and you right. don't do. I mean, if you find someone who is really nice, you would make friends, but mm -hmm. you wouldn't invest as much time and as much effort as you would invest in a new place. So yeah. that kind of... So you make completely different relationships. Yeah. So obviously some of these people, they have not <laughs> felt the need to make friends in primary school because they still had friends from yeah. the kindergarten. Yeah. Or they went... You know, they went with the same people from kindergarten to primary school to high school to university. That can happen too. Actually, yeah. I have some friends like that. Yeah. I have very good friends from kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. But I I managed to have these friends from kindergarten and have new ones too. So that's, I would be really sad if it wasn't like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I sometimes feel this is like kind of my motivation to to work and do all this stuff because I've been focusing on intercultural education since our first trip to Namibia, basically, because I want to expose people, my people, to the other cultures, you know, mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily... Um, you could say, like, oh, there's Germans or these people in the small town, they have everything they need, they can be happy... And you don't need to improve on this society, but I don't think so, you know. Our mm. life will, is better if we meet different people, if we mix with different people, if we learn and listen yeah. um, to different people. And it's something very crucial, as you see right now. You, now we have lots of foreigners who came to Germany, and yeah. you see that a lot of people are afraid. Mm. And it's very interesting, if you do research about this, you will find out that the people who are scared most are those people who haven't been exposed to foreigners. Yeah. So, like, you see, you have heard of this Pegida movement where people uh, demonstrate against the Islamization of Europe. Every been. week, they, for about two years now, I think they assemble 10,000 of people every week. And this movement started in a city called Dresden, which has, like, I don't know, 0.01% Muslims. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit more now, but it's it's really low. Yeah. 
And imagine in a city like that, which is also a smaller city, you have like, you gather 10,000 people who demonstrate against Islam, yeah. whereby in a city like Berlin, which has like three or four million people, mm -hmm. and 8% Muslims, so like almost every 10th person is a Muslim, and people kind of get along fine, and the same movement they get like 500 people to demonstrate. Hmm. So there's kind of a correlation. Yeah. It's very important if you're used to other people, if you're exposed to other cultures, you are less afraid. Yeah. And yeah, I hope that through the refugees <laughs> we can change that positively in Germany because maybe the next generation will even grow up with more friends from different cultures. Yeah. And this would be something positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we could uh, talk for hours, huh? Yes. Uh so <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, there's so many questions I would love to ask, but uh, <laughs> just keep asking. <laughs> well, I mean, that's so. Uh, I, I told you that Mr. Book inspired this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him in Burma. He was Muslim. He mm -hmm. took me to his mosque and broke his fast for Ramadan with mm -hmm. me after an amazing day. I'm going to withhold the story <laughs> someday. Mm -hmm. I'll tell it on here. Um, some people know it, but. Uh, He's one uh, person who inspired this podcast. Mm -hmm. the, the other person who directly inspired the podcast was Trump. Mm -hmm. I haven't said that really yet on the podcast, but when I was in Chicago teaching Saudi Arabian students in 2015 and Mexican students and Colombian students in a beautiful international class, you know, mm -hmm. every day just loving the dream of everyone getting along together in mm -hmm. the class, you know, Trump made his uh, big speech about the wall and... I could see the fear in the eyes of my students and I mm -hmm. saw all the changes happening and I dream that this podcast can expose, you know, at least the people I know, mm -hmm. <laughs> Every, all, everyone in my family that's listening right now, <laughs> talking about you. <laughs> I just want to expose everyone to everyone else. Hello, I Joe's mean. family. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, that's important. I'm, yeah. It's good what you do. I noticed... His face is uh, tacked to the wall just outside oh, yeah. the room. What what does that mean? Actually, when we were in San Francisco lately, we went to this Mexican shop uh, which sold all kinds of Halloween stuff. <laughs> and they had, like, these caps which said, like, Make America Mexico Again, which was really nice. And they had toilet paper with the face of Donald Trump. And I thought, yeah, let's buy some stuff with Trump. We even went to a Trump <laughs> rally and got some buttons. Yeah, I haven't watched that episode yet. I, uh, it's I not have... an episode. Or, okay. It's just like a quick live video. You it mentioned was, it in one. I... It was kind of okay. boring also. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of how we expected it to be. Did you talk to people? Smaller. Yeah, we talked to a couple of people. And it's like, yeah, I, I talked to lots of people who support Trump. We did a whole tour through the U.S. for four weeks. Mm -hmm. And... It's interesting and fascinating <laughs> and also kind of stupid sometimes because I feel like people, I don't know, even people who are like exposed to other cultures, they would not be um, afraid that this has a negative impact. And actually, like the first time, you know, now you have all these um, reports coming of people being harassed. Mm-hmm. 
because other people feel encouraged to harass people right now after Trump's election. Mm -hmm. And Trump says that he didn't want that, but obviously he also didn't do enough to discourage that. So I feel like it is connected. Obviously yeah. it's connected. And you have like already these kind of statistics that, um, for example, in New York, they did this statistic about, I don't know, like um, t attacks on people who look non-American native were mm. rising by 115 percent mm -hmm. and even like I don't know New York a police woman a police woman got attacked because she is like uh, she wore a hijab and stuff like that and it's it made me so sad the first time I read this there were the, these kind of um, <clears throat> collection of tweets and posts from people who reported their stories and I cried because yeah. I feel like How is this possible in 2016 in one of the most developed countries of the world? You know, yeah. how is this even possible and how could no one see this? You know, yeah. um, I think Germans are very sensitive to that because of our history. And mm -hmm. we feel like some people say always Germans always know everything better and they want to educate <laughs> the whole world. And it's true, <laughs> kind of, because we feel like. We have learned so much about our own history that we feel like we want to share it. We mm. want to share the lessons we've learned. And if we see something like that happening again in our own country or in other countries, I feel like I need to talk about that. You know, I cannot just stay quiet because I know what happened in my own country with people who stayed quiet, you know. Yeah. No one saw things coming when um, in, I don't know, 1933. And no one like gave a shit when Jews disappeared from their neighborhood and of course it's like not the 1930s right now but I feel like in our country like attacks on Muslims have like increased by 400% in the last year and it's we are lucky that no one died you know but yeah. I think people will not wake up before someone dies and that's the sad thing like there's no big protests against this kind of violence there's like things happening and It's sad because people, you feel like there's a lot of these quiet people who don't give a shit, you know, mm -hmm. who are like, who feel like, okay, it's like their fault, not my problem, you know. And people felt the same thing about Jews mm -hmm. 70, 80 years ago, you know, they felt like, okay, like they've been annoying anyway, so I don't care where they deport them, you know, I don't care what happens to them and... We should not be like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I studied history, did I mention that? <laughs> yeah, I could discuss about that for her. Well, I would, I, I've always wanted to ask this. Uh, what, can you comment on the process of uh, history, uh, of, of Germany coming to, uh, just reckoning with its own history? I mean... I've mm. been to museums and places, but I, I haven't really had a chance to. Actually, I've talked to a lot of Austrians, and they have a slightly different experience, but they talk about it a lot. It's really heavy on their minds, the ones that mm -hmm. I know, at least. I just, I think it, I, I wish I knew more about the healing process that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right term even to use, but just... What happened after that? And you know, Nazifizierung. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually a healing process. Like, as if you have cancer and you try to eradicate the cancer from all parts parts of your body. Yeah. That's what you'd call in German Entnazifizierung, to take... Because after, obviously, the 
the Nazi time was a quite a long time, you know, it yeah. took like too many years, like 12, yeah. no, 12 years of, yeah, yeah, or more. Um, it's like, you can see like this kind of thinking was in all kind of institutions. So after the war, they could not get rid of all people immediately. You know, right. there might have been a lawyer who supported the Nazis or there might have been a doctor who supported the Nazis. And obviously you need those people in society, you know, and it took a long time. And there was actually in the, it was actually the generation of my parents who um, started to ask critical questions about it. You know, why are these people, you know, this kind, do you know what he did during World War Two? And, like, a lot of things didn't happen, or a lot of people stayed quiet also, which is also, in a psychological way, you can explain it, like, I've actually, like, did one of my final exams in history about that. Yeah. It's very interesting, because you didn't, many people didn't talk about what they did, because if they would talk about and accept their guilt, it would, like, destroy them, you know? Yeah. Like, you cannot, you kind of, kind of cannot exist with a certain kind of guilt. So you would ignore it or, like, justify it, mm. you know? Yeah. So that was, like, the two options for the, people who were really... Was there not a lot of repentance, people that... Uh, repent. um Regrets. They they recognized how bad it was and changed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Or was yeah. it were those people just I don't stuck know. in those two options you mentioned? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think there was like for those people who were really involved. I don't think there was that much. Yeah. And there was. I know that. My mom told me this that when they were young, I mean, when they were old enough to talk about it and they were educated about it, they started asking all these questions. You know, what did you do? Why did you not stop it? Could you not see what's coming? And she told me that a lot of people she talked to refused to talk about it. Mm. So it's this kind of, and I have also like read a lot of. Um, there's actually quite nice books about it, uh, about psychological studies yeah, yeah. Um, where yeah they found out why did these people not talk that much and actually a lot of people didn't talk about it yeah they just want to get wanted to get rid of these memories you yeah, know yeah, and yeah. whether they were involved or not because it was just like a terrible time for yeah. most of the people you know there were also a lot of families who had to send their kids to war even though they didn't support it because yeah. that's what you do yeah 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 <laughs> and yeah, I think this had a, a huge impact on Germany because the whole process lasts till today. It's not something that ended in 45. It's like a lot of things happened from there and every generation had their own way to deal with it. And every generation criticized the old generation for not dealing with it appropriately. Mm -hmm. And today you even have this generation who says like, ah, I don't want to hear about this again. Mm. Because when you are in Germany and you go to school, you you learn about it every year. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> one chapter of history that is yeah. done in the seventh grade. Yeah. Something that like comes up again and again and again and again. And if you f when you feel like, oh, I had enough, it comes up again, you know? Yeah. And it's something... I think a lot of Germans don't feel bad about that. They feel like, okay, we have to deal with this. 
Um, but there's also those people who feel like, ah, not, don't bring up this Nazi shit again, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like not our generation. We have nothing to do with it. And it's... Yeah, I could talk about... I yeah, could talk yeah, yeah. hours about that, really, because it has a lot to do also with the pride Germans have about themselves. A lot of foreigners tell me, like, ah, it's really bad that Germans don't feel proud about their country. But Germans are proud of not being proud of their country. Yeah. You know, that's actually the the <laughs> truth. And we we consider pride as something like idiotic sometimes even, you know. If you see those people who are like proud of being like of something that they have actually no like <laughs> it was not their own decision to be born in America or in Germany, you know. It's yeah. like it's not you know, it was not my decision to be born as a as a Jew or as a Muslim yeah. or as a Christian. Yeah. And it's just something, yeah, we have to realize, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of people feel like proud of something they have actually done nothing for. And I find that kind of disturbing, you know. And if there's even something which should be the consequence of where you're born. It's like you should feel, for example, me, I'm like a, a white Christian woman. Okay, I'm not, I don't give that much about Christianity. <laughs> but, you know, I'm born in a very privileged way. You know, I have one of those passports where you can travel everywhere with. And this is something crazy. And this is something I know every day and I learn and I see every day because I talk to people who don't have this privilege. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have this interaction. They don't have these... Um, they don't meet with people who are not privileged. So they just feel it's normal or they feel they it's something they are entitled to or it's something they... They earned. They earned, <laughs> they exactly. They worked for yeah. and earned you, it, yeah. You didn't earn to be born <laughs> as, a, as a white privileged German. You didn't do anything about it you know yeah so if i'm if anything is a consequence of like the coincidence that i'm born as a german then i can at least be like i don't know the right word maybe like humble mm -hmm. and thankful but also like take you know take all this history and all this experience in the past and try to end this education that evolved of it and try to make something better mm -hmm. of today, you know? I feel like this is like the only consequence of being German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me ask just two more questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, you have to stop me from answering <laughs> for half an hour. <laughs> Yeah, we're in 40 minutes already. So, um, <laughs> thank you. I love it. Uh, can you talk about the global experience? Yeah. What is it's, that? <laughs> it's uh, it's a global experience. I don't know even if this word makes any sense in English, but it, it, it just it reflects on the idea that we want to expose people to other cultures, to the globe, you it, know. This is your other organization. Oh, this is actually the organization we founded after we did this um, project in Namibia. Um, mm. And, yeah, it was just, like, slowly evolving. It was It's just like a non-profit association. Mm -hmm. And today it's also not that big yet because we don't want to make it super big. Mm. We have... I think we have like three or four programs we run a year. Still, mm -hmm. we do this exchange in Namibia. 
we invite also Namibian students to Germany. We have like an international youth camp where we invite digital activists from all over the world who use digital media to change their societies. Um, Matthias uh, talked about it a little bit, and it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> it's, it's an awesome project. I, I really love it. We are actually camping inside a school, mm. and in we had like 100 people from 30 different countries last year, or this year. Wow. <laughs> and it was fascinating. Yeah. It's, we've so been doing this stories. for a couple of years, <laughs> and... Yeah, I just love it. You have to come next year, maybe. Absolutely. You can have, like, yeah. 100 interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I would just be working the whole time. Yeah, I know, it's, it's really amazing. And, yeah, one of the re most recent projects um, um, I work on is um, a project where we um, train refugees as kind of educators mm -hmm. so they go into schools and talk about their stories yeah so we um have a group now of 20 people actually i'm traveling to Mensa tomorrow for our second training mm -hmm. and yeah we have lots of requests from schools actually more than we can handle right now which is great because there's a lot of interest interest and i mean everyone is talking about refugees but like only a few people have direct contact I mean, a lot of people have direct contacts, one can say, like, there was, like, this one statistic that 10% of the Germans kind of somehow helped mm -hmm. last year to help refugees in Germany, which is amazing, which is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But then there's still a lot of people who have, who might have, they maybe they live in a small village and they, there's some refugees there, but they don't get in touch. Yeah. So it can be something really nice to have like to invite young people to a school class and talk and share about their story and like open up the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what we want to do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. So my last question, Oh, actually, can you advertise for that? Where can people find out about that? Um, it's called life back home. Okay. Um, and the website is called is lifebackhome.de. Okay. So it's I think it's in German only right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we would love to to also bring it to other countries. Mm -hmm. Even though no, not even though. We want to we would like to bring it to other countries too. Because mm -hmm. especially those countries who do not have a lot of refugees are actually those with uh, more fears even. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh and the global experience where can people learn about that um the global experience.org or on facebook the global experience excellent it's easy to find too. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you're lucky you nabbed that title i mean that's that's a great title <laughs> yeah you like it <laughs> yeah it's perfect cool <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to steal that for the podcast, you know. <laughs> oh, you can. So, <laughs> so um, I just have to ask, you've told many beautiful stories already and lots of great information, but what's your best travel story? <laughs> hmm. Funniest or best? Whatever you want to tell. Tell both if they're different. Well, yeah, the... The best one is actually the first travel I did outside Europe because I already said why, because it it changed everything in my life. But I didn't know it back then. I didn't know, wow, this is so great, I will change my life. But I got curious in learning more about the world and about myself. And this is where it started. So mm. from there I traveled 
to lots of different places and lots of different countries and met lots of people and it all started with this one global experience. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Huh? You're a good marketer. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's so it was kind of the best we lived in a small village and everything was new and I talked to everyone uh, like as many people as I could and it was just like fascinating but Maybe you said this and I missed it but uh, why did you go to Namibia um because we did a school exchange program it was like a long story ah, okay. kind of our school was connected with the school there I see and we used to collect donations mm. like many people do like you just collect donations for Africa some anonymous place And then you ship them over there and that's it. Yeah. But um, we, we just thought, like, actually my um, one of my best friends back then went there for, like, a one-year civil service or internship. And so I wanted to visit him. Mm-hmm. And our former teacher, we already kind of worked together on a project. So he also wanted to visit him. And we thought, let's take some students yeah. and do a school exchange. Then it's an official visit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it worked, yeah. And... <laughs> It was a whole lot, like, different thing. We have heard about the school before, but we have never been there, and it was completely different from what you see in pictures, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the funniest, or maybe the most intense travel story was when there was this ash clo cloud over Iceland that <laughs> crashed the whole, um, like, flight system in Europe. Yeah, don't say crash. I'm going to fly on Friday. <laughs> No, sorry. I didn't mean crashed. It, it brought it down. Brought it, it down, exactly. It stopped exactly. it, yeah. It stopped yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Um, we were in Oman, also for a school exchange program, which was interesting. It's um, because it was like like a whole different culture for our students, and we've also been there for the first time. So the airline told us we cannot go back. They can uh, rebook the flight one week later. Mm. And we couldn't stay there because... It was kind of expenses and expensive, and we were invited by the government, so they paid for our hotels and everything, which was right, really nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, staying there would have meant like with a whole group of 20 people, it would have been several thousand euros, which we didn't have, and also yeah. the students needed to go back to school, so we didn't have that much options. We decided to fly back to Istanbul mm. because it's closer and it was like the flight would have gone through Istanbul we needed to sign that we we were not asking the airline for a flight from Istanbul or not for a refund so that we will be fine with ending our journey in Istanbul <laughs> and we signed and it was funny because then at that point almost like this area almost reached Istanbul so almost all flights from the east stopped in Istanbul and this This the atmosphere in the city was so amazing because like we landed there and we went to town, we just booked a hostel online, we brought our students there and then us like teachers or um educators went out to find a solution. Yeah. <laughs> and we split in small groups and went over town and see what, what we could get. Yeah. And like all over the place there were people or like these small businesses popped up, you know, like I'm driving tonight to Amsterdam, <laughs> who wants to go with me? Or they were like buses, I have bus a bus to Paris, go with me. And it was incredibly expensive. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And crazy. And we just wanted to go home somewhere. So I went we already had a friend in 
um, in Turkey through our internet yeah. work and we haven't I don't know if we have met him before at this point or maybe not so I just told him I, I'm in Istanbul now can you help us and he met me we went to the train station he translated for me and I just asked him to get tickets to the closest location somewhere yeah. which was I think it was Bulgaria or Romania <laughs> so I came back to the hostel with the tickets to Romania <laughs> which I thought was like a beginning you know and um, my the other teacher came back with um, the information that like some of the embassies would help people to to organize buses mm. so some kind of like French guy told us the French embassy was like organizing buses to Paris. Mm. So we went to the German or he went to the German consulate and then they, he got the information that there was a bus at four that goes to Germany. And we thought like amazing. So they told us to be at four at the airport. It was like in the afternoon. We have already not slept the night before yeah, because yeah, yeah. we were flying to Istanbul um, and then we arrived at the airport. <clears throat> we went to the location where we're supposed to be, and they said, yes, there will be bus, but it's at 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, my God. So we stayed for 12 hours at the airport. None of us even had, like, long, how do you call this, long trousers? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we pants. had long trousers because we were in Oman. <laughs> but we didn't have, like, sweaters or jackets because yeah. it was so hot there, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we had to stay there the whole night, like, oh my shivering. <laughs> And it was like it was an amazing experience because just because there were so many people stuck in the city at the airport especially and everyone asked for help and everyone was so helpful and everyone talked to each other because it was like an unusual situation. Then we got into the bus and yeah, it was supposed to take us from Istanbul to Munich, which is a long ride, as you can guess. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was so the second night, basically, without sleep, we went to the bus the, um, and we went up to Bulgaria. And at the at the second border, we already got, like, stuck <laughs> because they, I don't know, at some point at one border, they opened all our luggages and they, <clears throat> like, it took them, like, hours to check everything which meant actually they wanted to us to pay some money yeah. for us, like for them to release us, which we learned afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and we hadn't been to any countries before where there was like any corruption. So we were not used to it, you know. Yeah. And then the other stop, I think it was in Serbia. They kind of our passports disappeared. <laughs> so like the same thing, which was funny. And then it was actually it was my birthday in the night. The next day, did we travel for 30 hours? I think so. But like, so we thought like, let's buy some drinks and get drunk, which <laughs> at least you can do on the bus. But then the toilet stopped working. <laughs> and then imagine you're in this bus. And you were drunk? <laughs> no, we, we didn't because oh, yeah. imagine like you have to, like they said we will not stop, like they stopped every four hours because this is when they have to make a break for yeah. the... I don't know, the law. Yeah. And they didn't make any... Obviously, they wouldn't make any stops just because we are drunk and need to pee. So yeah. we couldn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't pee either. Like, every four hours, like, the doors open and everyone was running <laughs> to the toilet. <laughs> I think it was, like, a 30, 32 hours ride. And it was 
incredibly shaky and annoying. And then we got to Munich. For Munich, there was nothing because in Germany also there no, no flights worked. Mm. So all buses and trains were overbooked. And my mom helped us to rent cars in Munich. Mm. Um, so that finally we could drive ourselves. This was, I think, one of the only options we had because the... Everything else was incredibly expensive or overbooked already. And so imagine like three nights without sleep. We arrived like in Muni, Munich on the third day in the morning. And we had to drive for like eight or nine hours. <laughs> and then we reached Münster. Like it took us three or four days to get home, which was kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because we met so many people and heard so many stories and it was just like exceptional. Yeah. And yeah, when do you have that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my best travel story. That's fantastic. And I, I love uh, hearing the on the ground experience of that time. I remember when it happened and mm -hmm. we heard about it on the news and it sounded horrible but i didn't think one step beyond to <laughs> what everyone was experiencing you know as a result yeah. that is i think amazing. this was like pretty extreme yeah like, i mean most people were just stuck at the place where they were yeah and didn't try to travel <laughs> <laughs> which would have been the better option if i had traveled alone i would have, of course stayed or i don't know yeah make yeah, holiday yeah. in turkey or somewhere else or go to thailand whatever yeah yeah but if you have to take students home it's something else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well thank you so much for yeah. telling a beautiful story and thank you for just even talking to me and uh sure yeah. but sorry for like talking so long no 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 <laughs> everything was perfect i'm gonna keep everything in so really? yeah can Who you listen to that i don't know <laughs> i don't care <laughs> So if you I, listen I to that till now, send us a message, please. Absolutely. To Go to... Well, where can, can they find you? <laughs> at, um, on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Oh, but I don't read all my messages. Maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> but you can follow us on Facebook. <laughs> follow us on uh, facebook.com slash easygermanvideos. Okay. Tell me if you've listened to this and then I'll tell Karina. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'll filter it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, wait, where, where can they follow again? Just one more time. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash easygermanvideos or easy languages street interviews. And uh, also theglobalexperience.org. And, the, yeah, and facebook.com slash theglobalexperience. Excellent. And theglobalexperience.org. Excellent. And um, thank you for speaking easy English. <laughs> <laughs>
the Popol Vuh, a book full of stray lines just begging to be ripped from their context and given new meaning, as I love to do here on this podcast, says rather obscurely at one point, the pathway leading to their homes was not clear. 